1: The Field to 68 Media Network presents Red is the New Orange, a Syracuse basketball podcast. Vince intercepts a pass, breakaway for the freshman guard. He
2: flies and slams. Aerial assault from Judah Vince. Looking to go back door to Bell. They get it to a mere corner three, knocks it down. Chris Bell, the sharpshooter,
1: bringing you everything you need to know out of the 315.
2: Up top, Williams surges ahead, up with the right hand and in. A pretty up-and-under move from Betty
1: Williams to beat his man. Over to Taylor. He skips into the lane. Puts up a floater. It drops in. Let's get it started with your host, Ian Unsworth and Johnny Gidamowitz. Another week, another win for Syracuse men's basketball. This time it wasn't easy. 79-75 over the Colgate Raiders. The Orange finally paced them. Inside the Dome, Ian Unsworth, Johnny Gadamwitz. another Red is the New Orange here, a part of the Field of 68 podcast network. You can follow us on Twitter, F68 underscore Q, uppercase or lowercase, does not matter. Also, make sure to follow the Field of 68 on Twitter for live streams of Field of 68 after dark every night, breaking down the biggest names, stories and games in college basketball also drop all our friends a follow across the field of 68 podcast network if you've got family friends you've got relatives you've got cousins you're seeing at thanksgiving if they're unc fans well you know you got to deal with them if they're purdue fans right if they're texas fans whatever they may be they've got a podcast on the field of 68 podcast network dedicated specifically to their team so tell them to check it out johnny they can listen to us wherever they get your their podcasts, and we're rather relieved. Or at least that's where I am after this game. Because the first half looked like the game you called last year. It looked like the game we called two years ago on WAER. That was a Colgate slaughter.
2: Slaughter to say the least, Ian. I, I think relieved is a good word. Um, and I think for me, I look at this game, look. It's the epitome of why Jim Bayheim kindly needed to be ushered out the back door, mm. right? Because this team went out and they made adjustments, right? The, the second half was very different from the first half. Does a Jim Bayheim led team make those adjustments, make those necessary changes? I think you and I both know the answer to that question. But more when than they're anything, they're down 15. Yes. But more than anything, I, it shows me a level of resiliency. Um, And a level of fight that I think teams in previous years, particularly recent years in Central New York, just didn't really have. I mean, Ian, this team was down by 20 with under 15 minutes to go and found a way to win the basketball game. Colgate made one three-pointer in the second half. This is Colgate we're talking about, the team that's come to the Dome each of the last two years and shot the lights out. And silence the Syracuse crowd. And I think Red Autry brought up a really good point listening to his post game press conference. And the way he put it was, look, the way we handle things, we we like to go play mini four-minute games. And Mm -hmm. I think that is a mindset and that is an approach, particularly considering the construction of this roster and the way they're made up, that really will bode well, right? You don't have to go out there and make up a 20-point deficit just like that. But if you chip away, you make your necessary adjustments, you stick true to your formula, good things can happen. And I think that's what we saw earlier in the week.
1: You can't hit a 10-run home run. You need to chip away. And that's what Syracuse did, particularly with those adjustments, mainly the press. At the end of the game, Colgate lost its mind trying to get the ball over half court. There were six turnovers in the last four minutes on the Raiders' side, Five in the first half, and they finished the game with 19 total. Johnny, one thing we hit on right at the end of our conversation with Joe Puccio last Friday was Colgate's lack of depth at the guard spot. And I think that really showed once it got to the end of the game. Braden Smith played 33 minutes, tweaked an ankle with about three minutes left. That also plays a part. But Colgate had no answer because the past couple of years, Syracuse has always been the bigger team, the more athletic team, the stronger team. But that was never utilized until Red Autry said, all right, we're down 20. Let's just pressure the heck out of the ball, heat it up and see what happens.
2: Yeah, Colgate- you throw double teeth. Sorry to cut you off there, Ian. Yeah, they, no, they, they had no idea. They, they didn't know what to do. Once Red Autry threw the press their way, they were like a deer in headlights. And that's why the turnover numbers skyrocketed. And I think it bears mentioning, too, you know, a lot of people are going to look at those Colgate turnovers. And that was a driving factor behind the result was what it was. But I think another thing that sort of flies under the radar, too, is the opposite in that Syracuse really took care of the basketball. Right. The Raiders defense was not able to get into the passing lanes, was not able to make life difficult for Syracuse's shooters. Not only not make life difficult for their shooters, but Syracuse got to the rim really at ease in this contest as well. Only seven turnovers for the Orange. You look at the Colgate games from the previous two years, a combined 23. So that had been a thorn in Syracuse's side over the past couple of years. I think going into this year, though, Ian, and it's something we've spoken about a little bit as well prioritizing taking care of the basketball is something that is really going to do this team favors, particularly when you can cause chaos on the other end, generate a bunch of turnovers for yourself defensively. That's going to take that, you know, possession type breakdown and really tip that seesaw in your favor in terms of just giving you more opportunities to put the ball in the hoop and in narrow games that are tight and down to the wire. That's something that's going to help you out big time.
1: Do you think about forcing turnovers and then turning it into offense? It's practically another fast break because the guys with the ball who just gave it up, aren't ready to switch back to defense. So that's working on and building on what Syracuse has practiced all off season, getting up and down the court fast and turning it into points. How about
2: Chris Bell? We have to bring him up. We'd be remiss. How if we about bring it? Up the man he the
1: went animal. on a personal 12-0 run In the second half, and literally dragged Syracuse over his shoulder back in the game. Finishes with 25, six of 14 from three. I mean, that's really the only stats you need to know. A couple of baby jumpers, one layup. But even in the first half, when all hope seemed to be lost, Bell was still shooting and they were still going in.
2: And there's something to be said for that. He took more three-pointers in this single Colgate game than he did in each of the first two games combined. We all know that Chris Bell's greatest impact on this team is when he's knocking down shots. And I think sometimes Orange fans want to kind of shape and mold him into something that he isn't, right? He's a shooter. No two ways about it. I think when you look at Bell... Shooters got to shoot, right? I'm okay with him letting it fly in the way that he did. I don't think there's any reason for him not to, okay, maybe 14, taking 14 three balls per game is a little bit of a stretch. It's a bit too healthy but there's no reason that that number can't be north of 10 on a consistent basis. What else is he really bringing to the table value wise? Not a ton. The rebounding hasn't improved. The defense is shaky, which you'll have more on later, Ian. But I think for me, I embrace that identity with open arms, right? You look at the best teams in college basketball. All of them have their go-to knockdown guys. Maybe you want to take the side of, okay, Chris Bell's more, you know, a depth piece on a really, really good national title contender type team. But guess what? With the makeup of this roster, that's not not Syracuse. So if he's going to be a volume type scorer and shooter, I'm a okay with that.
1: The only thing, if he's not making them, someone's got to tell him, hey, tonight might be your night to pass it to someone else. Or maybe he doesn't get the run of 33 minutes that he did in this game. Tonight- might be the night to pass it off. And I will say Jim Bayheim last year, although we've, you know, we've highlighted the highs and lows, Jim Bayheim always knew when it wasn't Chris Bell's night, you get him out the game and you sit him because his, he's got a one track mind and it's I'm shooting because I got the ball in my hands. It doesn't matter if there's a hand in my face or not.
2: And that's okay for me. I, I embrace those peaks and valleys, right? I, I think, you know, that some nights you have it, some nights you don't, And from a Syracuse standpoint, you're just hoping that he has it more often than he doesn't. But Ian, someone who has had it at a pretty consistent basis, at least for the first three games of the season, is Judah Mintz. I mean, what else can we say about this guy emerging as one of the best, if not the best guard in the ACC? And I think the numbers really back it up. Um, you look at the game he pieces together again, even on a night where the shooting wasn't his best night He be desired, right? Still finds a way to check into the box score in so many different departments, play his game, get to the free throw line, do his job at the free throw line and take advantage of those opportunities. It's really difficult from an opposing defense standpoint to take him out of the equation. Even if you want to throw the kitchen sink, even if you want to put your lockdown guard defender on him to try to stick him as best he can, he's still going to find ways to impact the game. And I think that's something that not a lot of whole guards, not a lot could be said about as many guards across the country.
1: Eight assists, three steals. As you mentioned, Johnny, he took 14 of Syracuse's 20 free throws and made 11 of them. He stays involved in games because he'll fly at you like a kamikaze and force you to foul him. It's not the James Harden where he's grabbing you and kind of uh, flailing. like Judas rising in the air to create collision. Right. But it really works, especially against Colgate when no one is athletic enough on the other team to jump with him. Any sort of contact in the air, especially with the changes in the block charge rule this year that give more leeway to the offensive player, will get you to the free throw line. And Judah doing that, again, at times when points were hard to come by for Syracuse, and then turning into a maniac at the top of the press, kept the offense going and kept that run going after Bell settled down a little bit after the media timeout.
2: Definitely. And again, we have to paint the full picture here, right? This by no means was a perfect game, nope. right? And we'll dissect a little bit of those first half woes coming up. But before we do that, a couple of intriguing games, Ian, looming large for the Qs. A, a trip down to Hawaii coming up Thanksgiving week and a whole lot of games on the slate that gets college basketball fans super excited. If you want to get in on the action, you can do so with our friends over at BetMGM. And with that, we'll kick it over to Rob Doster, who will fill you in on some more on how to get involved with BetMGM.
3: As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners, and the viewers on the Field of 68 each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD. $1,500, and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, We do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the
0: BetMGM app today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: What you're looking at right here is the first half box score. Johnny and I were all you know, sunshine and roses. Now it's time to get a little bit more realistic because at halftime, the one tweet was sent out from our Twitter and it was this happens every year.
2: Down by 16 with 20 minutes to go. That that's that's what I consider to be my college basketball rule, Ian. And I know I've brought this up to you before. You got to keep it to less points than minutes when you're trying to come from behind. And when you're down 16 with only 20 to go, that uh could set you up for failure. We all know how the game finished, but now it's time to take a look at at how the orange put themselves in such a predicament in the first place. Let's just
1: knock through a couple key stats here. Colgate more points in the paint than Syracuse. Syracuse played its seven foot four guy for over half of the first half, 12 to two on second chance points. Can't have that. Absolutely can't have that. Colgate has more fast break points than Syracuse. The team that wants to play ultra fast gets out ultra fasted, and Colgate shoots 50% from the floor and 50% from three
2: which is the formula they used in each of the past two years, and it it, it boded them well for the first 20. Um, And obviously the McLeod thing, which we didn't touch on a ton, we've spoken about him in the past. It's an issue, and it's something that Syracuse needs to get figured out rather quickly. I mean, the Orange, in the totality of that game, only had six second-chance points. you got a guy who's 7'4". He's playing 19 minutes and coming up with only three rebounds. That is not a formula for success going forward.
1: Rebounding. This screenshot is an example of why Syracuse struggles to rebound the basketball. Look at Keegan Records in the middle of the ACC logo. Actually, you know what, Johnny? We're both play-by-play men. Why don't you describe the scenario for us? Yeah,
2: for our people following along just with the audio version, you've got records pulling up for a short jumper, a little bit in front of the free-throw line. He's got Justin Taylor draped all over him, hand in his face. But the only man beneath them would be Naheem McLeod, who is standing in the vicinity of the rim. All of the other three players on the court for Cuse are in front of the charity stripe in essence towards the three-point arc that's the problem everyone above the free throw line
1: no one's crashing to get the defensive rebound judamance j.j starling and chris bell are all thinking about breaking out in transition so taylor his assignment is to box out records defender on shooter makes sense mcleod has to box out woodward naheem mcleod Just not that fleet of foot. Jeff Woodward, even at his five-inch height disadvantage, can get around him, and that's what happens. The rebound ends up caroming off the rim and coming back to the paint. You think if Judah Mintz, who's at the left elbow, slinks down a little bit, grabs the ball, SU's out in transition. It's not a problem for the guards to go back, especially Mintz and Starling. They're the fastest guys on the court. Right, No one with Colgate's running down the floor with them. And think about it. Colgate's two biggest guys, the ones who can really protect the rim against the high-flying guards of SU, are both near the rim. Records shot it. Woodward's contesting the rebound. So and stalling, if they get the ball, have free reign to zoom past everyone and attack the basket. But since they're so worried about getting out in transition – and just hoping someone else gets the rebound, that's what leaves Syracuse wide open for that second chance opportunity. And that's why Colgate had 12 of those points in the first half. Moving on to our second one. And this is where McLeod's inability to move really comes into play.
2: We're going to call this X's and O's with uh, with Professor Ian Naismith Onsworth. All right. Uh, I don't I don't know about Naismith, but I, I know a good deal
1: about basketball, or at least I, I like to think I do. Johnny, set the scene.
2: All right. So we've got Braden Smith, the guard who we've highlighted from a Colgate standpoint all week, pulling up from a three-pointer, essentially at the top of the arc, slightly offset to the left. Maheem McLeod at the free throw line. Judah Minch trying to fight through said ball screen, but so much room to operate for Smith as he tries to cash in on the three pointer. And I believe he did in this particular sequence, Ian, and that's something that any high quality guard, you give him that much room, he's going to make more often than not.
1: Yeah. So this is with 23 seconds on the shot clock early in the possession for Colgate. It's just a simple high ball screen, top of the key, Two on two. Woodward sets it for Smith. Naheem McLeod can't get out there to contest the ball handler. He's just not fast enough. Syracuse is worried that if McLeod gets too far away from the basket, Smith will blow right by him. Will he? Probably. So instead, they have McLeod doing what you'll see in the NBA a lot, which is called drop coverage. If you watch Joel Embiid, if you watch Boban, play the ball screen, right? These big, why, why, is
2: Bo, why is Boban the name that comes to mind?
1: There? Cause he's seven, <laughs> six and he McLeod is seven, four. Right, fair enough. Fair enough. There you go. Would you prefer minute bowl?
2: I <laughs> know that's okay. Hey, I got nothing against Boban.
1: So just, I was just thinking of the, the, the big lumbering guys. I mean, Embiid yes. is, is nimble, but he's not, he's not fast. Right. They don't get out there on the perimeter. Their job is to protect the paint. Same with McLeod. He's supposed to be Godzilla swatting in any, you know, helicopters that fly his way in the paint. So he is back near the free throw line. And the objective of drop coverage is to prevent anyone from getting to the rim, force you to take a jumper. That's the point. The problem Colgate is really good at shooting jumpers as evidenced by the 50% three in the first half you leave Smith with that much distance from elbow to collegiate three-point line, which is probably about eight, nine feet, that's that's easy pickets, right? This is, a, this is a shoot-around shot. Two dribbles in, nobody in his face. Starling is trying to get around the screen. He's trailing the play. This is a wide-open look. And again, if this continues into ACC play, as you said, Johnny, Teams are going to get easy buckets off this from start to finish, as long as McLeod's in the game.
2: Right. And that's why, you know, I'm going to vouch for, I I think the best five on the court for Syracuse, and they give up plenty of size when this happens, but I really like the five on the court of Mince, Starling, Taylor, Bell, and Brown. And I know that's the group that sort of closed the contest when Syracuse did go on that run and eked out the win, What they lack in size, I like what they bring to the table in athleticism, in transition. And I know Naheem McLeod has a role to play, but right now, as you just pointed out for us, Ian, I'm not sure he knows his role enough to be on the court when it matters most in terms of executing on sequences like that. It all depends
1: on the size of the opponent, too. You can get away with playing Brown at the five because there are no big guys even Woodward and records who truly are physical enough to beat on Malik Brown. Cause he's, he's built, he's a strong cat. So he can handle his own, but he's still got more to learn as does all of Syracuse when it comes to defending the ball screen. Third example, Johnny play by play.
2: All right. So what are we looking at here? So we've got the ball on the right wing. And another ball screen occurring up top. And Ian, I won't lie. The screenshot comes through a little blurry on my end. Right. But I believe it looks like you've got Mince trying to wrap his way around that screen to keep up with the ball handler. Where Malik Brown is slightly sagged off with his body shaded towards the Syracuse bench as if he's trying to usher the ball handler towards the side. And eventually the plan would be, if I'm not mistaken, to make him go baseline rather than have the easy lane to the hoop.
1: Yes. So this is a ball screen coverage called ICE or isolation, but ICE for short. The entire Syracuse bench right next to Braden Smith, including Quidier Copeland and Benny Williams, by the way, are standing up. And I think Quadir's mouth is open in the screenshot and he's yelling ice. This means keep the ball on the side of the floor. Don't let it get to the middle. As the, if you're guarding the ball handler, Judah Mintz, you're trying to push him towards the sideline, towards the baseline, right? Almost trap him using the sideline or baseline as an extra defender. If you're Malik Brown, you also are responsible for guiding the ball handler away from the hoop but also have to stay in between your man and the basket. Think about keeping one of your hips pointed towards your man or staying in line with your man's path to the basket while keeping those hips, as you detailed Johnny, towards the ball handler and pushing him away from the middle of the floor. Problem in this screenshot, Brown is uncommitted. There's a little gap where Keegan Records, who just set the screen, Rolling to the basket has space for a pocket pass. If Brown is really going to uh, be effective in this ball screen coverage, he either has to jump this and full on double team, hands up, trap with Mints, get him stuck in the cor- you know get him stuck on the sideline, or right, right, Smith has picked the ball up here. He has stopped. Brown's pretty much done his job. By keeping the ball on the side, and Mintz can recover rather quickly, Brown either has to commit to the double or sag off Right, he's, stop he's caught, he's
2: caught in no man's land, right? Yes,
1: exactly. Or, he's in yes. no yes. man's land because instead of being on records or going all the way after the ball, he's caught in between. There's a hole for the pass, and the pass eventually gets made and records goes right at Justin Taylor and, and lays it in. Now, this again is something that will get worked out over time. This is a kink that is tough to do again. It's tough to execute against Colgate because Ryan Moffitt's also up there roaming around. And something could just as easily happen where Moffitt peels around and gets a three. There's a lot of dummy action, extra, you know, bells and whistles, you can call it, that Colgate runs to get your defenders out of sync but at the end of the day sticking to the screen principles and trying to run these coverages for picks pick and roll whatever you want to do is going to be tough for these guys because they spent a whole entire year not worrying about this stuff and not having to implement it in a quick game situation
2: so here's where i would go then next what i would ask you is sort of a follow-up to all of what you just so beautifully documented for all of our viewers and listeners. It, it, are these issues and defensive lapses things that you are mostly willing to just chalk up to early season, game number three, new coach, they'll get it figured out? Based on what you've seen, is this cause for more deep-rooted, big-picture concerns that could loom large come January and February?
1: At first, we have to give a lot of credit to Matt Langle. Yeah. That dude can scheme up an offense. And he did it the last two years against the zone, and he did it this year for about 30 minutes of basketball until it was nullified by the press. Langle knows his personnel. He put the ball in Braden Smith's hands for a lot of the game and let everybody else just kind of run around and set picks, knowing that Syracuse would get lost in the shuffle every once in a while. On the topic of Brown and the ball screen coverages, per se, that Syracuse is trying to work in, no, I think those guys will get a, get a hang of it over time. And you think of like Mince, Starling, Brown, even even Chris Bell. At times, they're long, they're physical, they're tough. Those guys can defend, and I think they'll pick it up. That's just you know one example, one coverage, one play. On the other hand, the Naheem McLeod thing is something that's based in limitation there is an obvious drawback.
2: Naheem McLeod is what he is, right.
1: There, there's a plus and there's a minus, and which is why I thought your end-of-game lineup was a really good point. Right. If you have Naheem McLeod on the floor at the end of the game, there's a clear limitation and a clear weak point for defense to take advantage. So you have to wrestle with that and work around it as you start facing more mobile big men more guys that can step out and shoot the three. Tennessee's got one or two big men that can do it. I mean, I'm very interested if Syracuse matches up with Purdue, what happens there? You know, Gonzaga always has big guys that can step out and shoot. So those matchups in Maui will really tell us what Naheem McLeod can do on the floor because he'll be playing power five big men who all will be his strength, not all his size, but ready to bang around with him and also running with offenses that are just if good, if not better than Matt Langles.
2: I will say, too, I don't think it does this team any favors now, Ian, that they go six days without playing, Hmm. right? By the time they take the court Monday, it'll have been six days. And I know a lot of people like to talk, oh, rest, you know, get healthy. They're three games in. We haven't hit that point in the season yet, particularly for a team that just got Benny Williams back, wanting to get him back acclimated and into some sort of groove. How is playing 10 meaningless minutes, followed by a six-day layoff where you're only practicing, and then, oh yeah, you're back into the action against maybe a top 10 team in the country, I don't see that being... Something that is going to benefit Syracuse in any way. I know there might be mixed opinions on that, but I think in the context of this team and where they're at right now, I think the le- especially after a, a season momentum grabbing win like the Colgate win was. I mean, I'd be willing to say, well, hopefully, if all goes according to plan, it won't be. But I think by the time this season ends, you'll reflect back on this Colgate game as as one of the high points of the season, right? Albeit being very early. Um, you know, to, to sort of have that kind of fizzle out here. And that's why I prefaced it with saying, you hope that it's not, but it yeah, could be, I'd who hope. Knows? We'll see, but we're excited for Maui. It, it should be very interesting. And we'll of course have all your coverage coming up next week when the Q's get into the thick of it.
1: Yeah. I don't, I might disagree with you there just because there is a 10, there is a tendency, especially with a young team to have a bit of an emotional letdown. If you go right back at it, that's After true. digging way out of a hole, all the energy, the home crowd, everything's behind you. If you step right back out on the court in two days on a, in an arena that you've never played in before, you probably have about a third of the crowd, and it's not all your home fans, and you're going up against some big physical dudes. Yeah, it's a wake-up. Barnes up. and the opposing yeah. sideline. Yeah, it could be a bit more of a shocker. Yeah, and I think if you give them six days, you get them time to reset, look at the film, and get things figured out. But I will say that Maui, no matter what the the record is after those three games, will definitely be a great learning experience.
2: Yeah, I think just it's it's not about wins and losses. I know I said preseason early is going to be important. This team's three and zero. Now just prove that you can go out there and you can hang with the big boys, right? Yeah, I'm not concerned.
1: Wait. Not concerned about Maui. I'm more concerned about Georgetown and Oregon, right? That's when I want to see this team, especially L- like LSU as well, because LSU is not good. Um, that's when I want to see Syracuse perform, especially when they're at home. I'm not not concerned about Maui. I'm more concerned about eating my Thanksgiving meal and being extremely full afterwards.
2: You and me both. Lots of lots of good stuffing and cranberry sauce for us next week.
1: Hope you enjoy Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoy Maui. You can listen to myself and Johnny every Monday and Friday at noon, whether it's wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's live on Twitter at F68 underscore Q's. I can never say that without bungling it. It'll also be on the Field of 68 Podcast Network YouTube channel. Remember to follow us. Remember to follow the Field of 68 and check out the Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts. Signing off, have a great weekend, and go Orange. We'll see you next time.
3: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.